Do you find yourself at a spot in midlife where you're just ready to play bigger? Maybe you realize you've been holding back. You know, things are good, but you've been living too long in your comfort zone. Or maybe you realize you've put your dreams on hold to focus on career and family, and now it's time to refocus on you. Or maybe you wake up one day and you look at yourself in the mirror and just wonder where you went. Maybe you're already living a great life in midlife, but want to ramp it up even more. Whatever has sparked your desire for leveling up your life, Midlife Mastery is focused on finding ideas, information, and inspiration to play bigger and create an amazing midlife. I'm Brock Edwards. In each episode, I'm either talking with experts, authors, coaches, people who are living a phenomenal second half of life, or I'm sharing a little bit of my own journey and the successes and setbacks along the way. Now, before we get into today's show, I want to mention two things. First off, two recent episodes have absolutely blown up. In one month, the episode Focusing on What You Can Control with John McDonald has become the most downloaded episode of Midlife Mastery. And approaching it quickly is the recently released Mastering the Middle Years with Madeline Hardacre. Now, if you haven't listened to them, I highly recommend checking them out. There is a reason they're gaining such popularity. The second thing I want to mention is that the growth of this podcast has started to become exponential, and that's largely due to you and other listeners sharing episodes with others. And so thank you so much for that. Now, I want to mention that while I and well, probably you listen to podcasts through a podcast app, I know a lot of people who hesitate because they just don't know how to listen. They don't want to bother finding a podcast app or working those things out. Now, if you have friends in that situation, the good news is you can still share episodes with them. They don't have to use an app at all. In fact, people can listen directly from the website. They can go to YouTube and listen, or even on Spotify. And I suspect they could even pull it up on Alexa or Siri. So all they have to do really is just go to any of those sites and search Midlife Mastery Podcast, and it should come up. Now, in today's episode, we talk about getting past the fear and pursuing the life of our dreams. Are you ready to play bigger? Let's get started. Well, welcome. Welcome today. We've got uh, Lucia Mastrodimus and yeah, let's just go from there. I'm excited to have you here. So you are the CEO of Midlife and Bold. I was going to do a big introduction and then I just know, let's just start talking because I've already said I should have hit record like two or three times because we've been covering such good stuff. So you are the owner of Midlife and Bold. You do personal coaching you are pro-aging, you focus on overcoming fear, and BOLD is an acronym. And yeah, what did I miss? No, I think that's great. We'll go from there. I know my name just trips everybody up. So after that, you're like, just go talk, Lucia. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for, yeah, thanks for having me, Brock, today. I love the fact that you also focus on this age. So as, uh, as Brock said, everybody, my name is Lucia, Master of Demas. It is a mouthful. What can I say? I'm 100% Greek. And I am the CEO and founder of Midlife and BOLD, Inc., which is a business that focuses solely on women in the middle, as I like to say, who are stuck in their life because they are afraid. And so what's happening is rather than living the life they want, the one that excites them, they are settling. And so I am here to change that narrative. My mission is to really create a movement of women who go after their dreams without guilt and make the most of their second half. And I, there's not a lot of women my age who talk about that. And I'm here to change that narrative. So why don't we? 
I mean, because I, I, I experienced the same thing, women, men, whatever. We just don't talk about creating this incredible second half, which is, of course, why you and I do what you and I do. So I'm kind of asking that of myself as well, but why don't we talk about it? Yeah, that's a good question. And honestly, in the you know five years of, of coaching work, and I was an educator before that, so I think I have a pretty good handle on psychology. I think there's a few things. I think we don't like to, as I call it, lose status, right? We don't like to be different, especially if there's no precedent for it, right? Like I was looking around at myself. I was 44 at the time, 44, 45, miserable in my career. I was a school administrator in a high school. I don't think I need to say anything else about that. And I, my mother unexpectedly uh, passed away and I was like, what am I doing with myself? I'm overweight. I hate my life right now. I'm totally stressed. My parents never got to live their dreams as they, you know, had envisioned in retirement. My dad lost his life at 62. And, you know, I thought, what am I doing here? I make good money, but I'm absolutely soulless. I have zero interest in this career. I, as I said, I was, you know, very overweight. And I thought to myself, is everybody else happy? Because nobody's talking about being unhappy, especially in in the education realm. I worked in the Chicago suburban area. And so you work your 33, 35 years, and you really, you retire with a pretty good pension. And that's what everyone was going for, that holy grail of the pension. And I was like, good Lord, I have 15 more years left at least, and I won't make it. I'll I'll make headline news (laughs) because I will lose my temper and it just won't be good. So I, you know, I think that's part of it. Like no one else was talking about it. It was taboo to even think about leaving the most noblest profession on the planet, as teachers often say. And there's a financial consideration, right? Like what ha- I was making six figures at the time. So who throws that away, right? Who throws that away plus Columbus Day and Veterans Day and all those school holidays? Like who does that? Corporate people thought it was great, right? And you know, all the, the perks I had in terms of time off. And I just knew there was more. I was, I was having a voice speak inside me that said, there's gotta be more. But I couldn't find anybody else my age, Brock, who was doing the things I wanted to do, which was just basically start putting myself first and looking to see what that path was. I didn't really know at the time what my career path was. I just knew this wasn't it. And yeah, so that's sort of, I think it's it's this, there's no, I always say, and I got this from my coach, you can't model what you don't see. There weren't examples. Our parents didn't do it. Our parents' parents didn't do it. So who am I to think I can do this eat, pray, love thing, right? As I like to say. Well, it is interesting because we, you know, we, we get instruction growing up, going to college, like, here's how you do life. Here's what you need to do to be successful. And then there's a whole bunch about retirement. Like I, there was no shortage of information out there about how to retire well, and not just planning for it, but like what you should be doing on retirement. But like this, these middle years of, you know, I I think of it as 50s and 60s, we could stretch it into 40s, we could probably push into 70s for some people, but it's, you know, kind of this, I'm not near retirement, not ready to retire. I don't think I've peaked yet. I'm still, still building momentum, you know, I'm not, not ready to quit, not looking to quit. And yet, you know, as you described, we don't talk about it. And the idea, it's like, we just gut it out. Like I, I've known people who have like the countdown clock to retirement. Like they're Ugh. just gutting years out. 
And no place else does that happen more than in education. I once started at a school and the administrator colleague of mine said she had 10 years. I was like, you're seriously counting down 10 years. So I, I totally hear that. I, you know, I just, the conversation is different when you start to open your eyes and heart up to the fact that this, you don't have to be miserable and you start noticing all the people counting down a little more and it becomes agitating because you're like, should I just order my, my, you know, cemetery plot right now and call it a life or what? (laughs) We don't talk about it. It doesn't come up. There's a lot of people, you know, who will die with their music inside as the quote goes. And yet we know there's so much more like we're so much wiser. We've got so much more experience than when we were choosing our careers and choosing our life 20, 30 years ago. So I mean, I I know at the heart of that, some of them may just, as you mentioned, we don't even know there's an option. So, okay, a lot of people may not even know they could do something else. But for a lot, I'm guessing there is fear. It's the unknown. They're comfortable where they are. What what else are we afraid of? Yeah, definitely fear is the root of just about every roadblock or everyone's stuck story. So I like to say fear is a sneaky little bitch. It shows up as resistance. It shows up as procrastination. It shows up as indecision. It shows up as anger and stress. And so while I even have women say, well, I'm not motivated. Well, if you're really interested in something and you have a passion for it and it excites you, you're going to find your motivation. So it's not about that. And so fear is really, that's the crux of what I do. I have a a signature program called the Midlife Without Regrets Method. And that's the very first thing we tackle. And so you mentioned that Midlife in Bold is the name of my business. And Bold stands for being brave, optimistic, limitless, and decisive. And it's really hard to be brave and overcome your fear if you're not even clear. And that's super important, Brock, because at this age, your clarity is clouded by your identity of being a mom full-time and all of a sudden you're an empty nester, being a wife and all of a sudden you're widowed or divorced, being a CEO and you've lost your job. So our identities are wrapped up in all of these titles, these labels. And so when those are stripped from you, as we saw a lot of job losses last year, you know, and, you know, lots of different things happening and not just this past year, but specifically this past year, who am I? And so the confusion starts to set in the panic, the imposter syndrome, as I'm sure you know what that is, and you get afraid and you shut down because it's really easier. You can't fail if you don't try. And so that fear is so complex and it's not just, you know, oh, feel the fear and do it anyway. (laughs) That's usually a recipe for disaster. You have to get some clarity on what it is you're afraid, you know, what do you want? And then why are you afraid? How is it keeping you stuck? And if you have an exercise called closed door, open door that I have my clients do, what doors will remain closed for you if you never process and, and really use some tools to get over that fear and what could open for you? And I think that is, you know, definitely it's fear, but it's a lot of, it's, it's a little bit of an, I mean, it's a lot of identity questions at this age. Yeah. I almost feel like for, for a lot of people, you know, it, it's not even the, the fear of stepping out and doing something. It's almost the fear of letting yourself dream, like, you know, not even giving yourself permission to 1, think, of, think about it, to, to want it, to admit that you desire whatever that thing is. Oh my God. You just, I could 
couldn't, yeah, I couldn't even set it better myself. And I want to jump up through the screen right now because <laughs> one of the first things I ask when I screen clients, because I don't invite everyone into this transformation, as I like to say, because there's a, a readiness factor, is what could your life look like a year from now? And it is complete dead silence on the phone sometimes because they have completely lost the ability to dream. After a little bit of prodding, I do. And a lot of times it's met with tears because it, it feels good to say it. But at the same time, it's so scary. And now they're in this like, I'm not Catholic, but purgatory, like this, you know, this in between. And so I always say like the only certainty is that there's uncertainty. And if you wait for certainty, you will never be successful. But that is not, that's easier said than done, which is why people like you and I exist, right? (laughs) Yeah, there's a a line from an old Jay Giles song, actually, that, you know, it's she never had dreams, so they never came true. And that one has just stuck with me. I couldn't even tell you what the name of the song was. Just that one line has stuck yeah, with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the idea that so often, it's not even that we don't take action. We, we just don't, don't even dream or give ourselves permission to, which is really just kind of the first step. You're right. We, we, we kind of lack that. We lose that imagination. We don't play on what could be like we did when we were younger. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, again, I always tell the ladies I talk to, or when I do a free class, like it's not your fault. You've been basically in survival mode for years, right? You've been in survival or denial, one of the two, maybe both, but you know, I I know, I know what it's like to have, you know, work with clients who have raised four kids, who've had 13 different schedules in any given week and a husband that travels and their own career, who has time for dreams? You're just trying to make sure the lunches get out the door and that they have clean underwear. Like there's no time for dreaming. So I think it's this natural pause that, you know, happens when the house is a little quieter. You, you know, I always say it's in the, it's, I always say this too, Brock, like people pretend not to know, but in those quiet moments, you know, you know, something's not right. You know, the marriage isn't working anymore. You know, the job is sucking the life out of you. You know, you've put on 60 pounds. You just keep getting bigger clothes. This might be hypothetical, but yes, it was me. Right. And you just keep going to the bigger size in the store because you don't have time to deal with it. Right. And dealing with it would mean you are a failure at something. And that's hard. That's hard. And when you get those quiet moments, that's when the whispers become a little louder, right? You can distract yourself. You can fill up your social calendar. You can be the the people pleasing, no boundary gal, which is a lot of my ladies as well as me and, you know, be there for everybody else. And then all of a sudden you're like, shit, like I'm not happy. And that is a lot of times when they come to me and that's when I swoop in and help them. So I'm building this bold, empowered community of midlife women. And I just love, 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 love what I do. Like I could talk about this all day long and I wake up to texts about things that are going on in these women's lives that four months ago wasn't even a reality. And I mean, I just, I love teaching. And I think that's probably why I love the coaching and hated the administrator bullshit. But if I could do this all day long, every day for the rest of my life, then I'll die a happy woman. (laughs) Well, so what are the first steps or some possible first steps for people who are thinking, hey, that sounds a lot like my life. Like I've been rethinking, you know, I've been kind of dreaming a little. I want, I I at least know I want something else. Where, where, Where do we get started? Yeah. Well, I mean, are you asking me specifically and how, what I do or just where do you get started in general? Well, 
from what you do, what advice would you have for getting started in general? How's that? Yeah. Well, and if you, you know, later on in the, when we wrap things up, I do have a free guide that is sort of the the basis that I can share with you that you can offer your listeners in the show notes if you'd like. But honestly, the first step is to really admit that you're not happy. Admit you're not happy because I think a lot of us women, and again, I know, you you know, you just talk about men going through this, but since I work with women, I'm just going to keep saying that. I think there's a, a, there's a lot of saving face and just like the smiling, the fake smiling and the pretending everything's okay. So stop pretending that you don't know you're not happy and then go back and make a list of all the things that you like to do. It doesn't mean it has to translate into a career. It doesn't mean it has to come, you know, nothing has to come of it. Just the fact that you're allowing yourself that brainstorm session, right? Like when do you feel your best? And it could be anything from, you know, things you did as a kid. Like I, here's an example. I had a client who was starting, she's a teacher and lots of stress pre-pandemic and then definitely stress this past year. And when we started working together, one of her stress outlets was to start to doodle, you know, sketch. She's now a full-blown artist. Like you should see the work she does. It's amazing. And she didn't even know she had that in her, but she remembers that that would be calming and soothing for her, right? So just even allowing yourself a chance to explore. And then I would also say is stop expecting things to be perfect. You mentioned imperfect action before we started recording. I use hashtag imperfect action all the time. If you can accept that the first time you're going to try to do something is going to suck, then it's okay. And you allow yourself that, you know, that, that, that lack of perfection. And so I'd say those are some of the things to start with, you know, stop pretending that's number one, because I pretended for a long time, everything was okay. I led the life. I had the fancy high rise downtown Chicago. I had the luxury car. I was in debt up to my eyeballs because I was shopping my way through happiness because the soul sucking job I had that took 60 plus hours a week wasn't making me happy. And it was all fake, right? It all came crashing down. Even before we wore masks, I used to say the mask I wore was really heavy. So that's part of it. And then just take, you know, and then acknowledge what are your barriers? Because those are real, but sometimes they're perceived, right? There's no jobs for women over 50. If I hear that one more time, I'm going to scream. There are jobs for women over 50, but maybe your approach should be a little different. Maybe what you want looks different, right? And then, yeah, just choose to take some action based on that motto of imperfect action. So that's that's some of the things I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, fantastic. And yeah, I always like the idea of, of experimenting. I mean, I, in fact, we mentioned imperfect action. It's a, another podcast I do. And that name comes from a phrase I came up with to get me out of my own way, which is just imperfect action beats perfect inaction. Cause I'm really good at perfect inaction, you know, the planning and the plotting and oh. the designing and never going anywhere. Cause until I take action, it's perfect, right? I haven't done anything. So it's all perfect. Reality hasn't interfered. I agree with that. And that's where coaching becomes so powerful, whether it's a nutrition coach, a health coach, a life coach, you know, job coach clients hire me because they can't see past their own self-limiting perceptions and beliefs, right? They're in the same feedback loop. I always say, what's your stuck story? What's your stuck story around money? What's your stuck story around your health? What's your stuck story around relationships? Right. It could be a product of, you know, something they heard in fourth grade. I mean, right. Or it could be that they've, you know, they have, you know, these limiting beliefs because they just haven't been able to, you know, reimagine life. And so they keep going. They're on autopilot. Like I said, they keep doing the same thing. If you hate the job you hate, why do you keep going for the same job you hate in a different industry? 
it's going to be the same. I know because I tried different positions in different schools in administration. And guess what? I hated them all. Had nothing to do with the school. I didn't like the work. So I think, like you said, we get stuck in these stories. And at this age, when there's no proof, when there's no guide, I always say there's no manual for life and there isn't one for this age, then where do you turn, right? Do you just write it out and be miserable? Or do you actually say, no, I have a lot of vital years left in me to make an impact, to feel good about myself and to actually be happy. Like there's a deserving there. You deserve to be happy at this age, at any age, but especially now. So speaking of at this age, you know, one of the things we were talking a little bit, and I want to go into it a little more is, you know, anti-aging versus pro-aging and anti-aging. Well, there's a lot of products out there that say anti-aging on them. They have names like, why has God forsaken me? Or, you know, when all hope <laughs> is lost, but yeah. What, so what, what is that about? <laughs> I mean, why yeah. anti, like we can't stop aging. So I know. why, why yeah. do we try? Oh, yeah. That's like a real look at, I'm getting splotchy and hot when I get like worked up over something. It, it really bothers me. And I know it's a marketing gimmick and I know that it's a lot of times geared towards women, although I'm sure men have a lot of their own anti-aging products. And, you know, as I shared before we start recording, like to anti, to be against aging means you're against living. Well, I'm not against living. So I'm pro aging. Every wrinkle I have, every ache in my back when I get up or knees cracking when I get off the rower, thank God, thank God I'm still here. My dad had an aneurysm at 62 and lost his life overnight in a matter of minutes. And I have never once taken that life is precious for granted. I was 23 years old. I just graduated college. I did not get the chance to have that adult relationship. My dad was my everything. And also they were immigrants. So at 19, he took that voyage over with four trunks or whatever his belongings were to start a life in this country. And he did what he had to do. Right. And that was very much the immigrant experience and story. And, and then my mom, although was 78, a very spry, feisty, 78 Greek year old Greek lady also died within 10 days. And so and in between, I've had all kinds of other loss where they've been quick. And again, there's no good way to lose the loved ones that are in your life. But when it goes, when they go quick like that, it's always for me a pause and a reflection to say, what am I doing? What is the daily legacy I'm leaving behind? And is it that I want to cover up my excess rolls because I've had a lot of pasta that's good and my, my belly shows a little bit for that? Or I want to cover up the wrinkles to show my wisdom? Or do I want to just put on the damn bathing suit with stretch marks and all and not have to go out with the full face of makeup and show up authentically as me and live life? I would rather choose the latter. So yes, I use face products, but I don't use the anti-aging ones necessarily. And I, if I, if I do, I, I'm probably using them inadvertently. I just buy the products that fit my budget and smell good and are pretty good for you. But it's just, it's all of that. And I think that it's toxic. It's dangerous because it, it promotes this notion that you're only, your value diminishes with your age. I guess that's the crux of it. And, and I mean, I just, I think that's complete bullshit. I think that there's a lot of beauty in, in, and so I, I, I just, I'm very much pro-aging and I can't stand the whole marketing spiel of anti-aging in Hollywood and TV and marketing. And then just in daily life with women who they tell me they're upset that they're this age. And I'm like, would you rather be no age? Like I'm not, you know, listen, I, I get that, you know, shit has changed in our bodies and we're not the same, but would you rather be no age? I wouldn't. I'd rather be right here right now. Yeah. And that, you know, there's no, 
There's nothing wrong with, with looking good, feeling good, taking right. care of yourself. But the idea that we could somehow stop time or we need to reverse time is, is a little strange. And absolutely. And I, I guess I kind of get the desire. But on the other hand, so my mom, huge role model of mine. I mean, she once said, and she was kidding at the time, but you know, if she ever started lying about her age, she would add years. So people would say she looked fabulous for her age. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And speaking of age, I, my birthday is July 2nd. So I celebrate the entire week. I always say the fireworks were really for me. And I, you know, I call it a birthday month. My friends are like, calm down. You get a day. I'm like, no, I at least get a week, but I cannot share my birthday enough. I love it. I live it. I, you know, of course, last year I had all kinds of grand plans for my 50th, which did not come to fruition. And people, you know, especially on social media, like on the on Instagram and, and I moved to California a year and a half ago. And it's not as, it's not, a, it's different than the Midwest. Let's just say I'm in San Diego, which is a lovely city and place I've always wanted to live, but there's like a lot more Botox parties and things like that here. And like, I don't care. I'm still going to eat my potatoes and French fries and be the Midwest girl who moved to California at, you know, almost 50. So it, it's, it's, I love what your mom said about that because to me, like everyone has these big new year celebrations. I make my new year, my birthday. And I thank myself not to sound like Snoop Dogg, but like thank myself for getting through this year and the lessons learned and just so much gratitude for, for being above ground. <laughs> so I've always loved the saying that every day above ground is a good day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We've talked about pro-aging and, and by the way, so it's an interesting thing speaking of social media, there is some fierceness around pro-aging. I mean, you, you know, you, you see it come out and you, I see it on social media and what's really interesting to me is the language is, or at least the attitude is very similar to punk rock in the 1980s. Like just the, the act of societal defiance, you know, and all the music that I listened to growing up, I'm seeing in these, in middle-aged women on Instagram and it's yeah. really cool and it's really fabulous. And, oh, you know, just that. like, I, I'm not sticking to society's norms anymore. I don't care what you think of me attitude. And it's just such a fun thing to see people kind of stepping out and exploring, experimenting, figuring out who they are right now, because we, we often we don't take that opportunity in midlife, I think, to really just kind of rethink, you know, I know who I was, but who do I want to be? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, first of all, I love that analogy. Oh my God, that's the best. And I don't know if you saw a lot of these going around at the time that the world shut down, as I like to say, but there was a lot of memes about Gen X and we're like, you know, Gen X, the latchkey kids, like the forgotten generation, like, no problem. We got this. We can stay inside, you know, everyone else calm down. And I do think that we're a, a very different generation, right? Like numbers wise, we're a lot smaller. There's not kind of attention and fanfare that has been paid to the boomers and the millennials and now even the Gen Zs who are, you know, taking the world by storm and changing things. So I think that for us, we did sort of follow suit with the baby boomers who, you know, again, I'm from the Midwest, as I know you are. So it's, you know, I worked or lived in a very factory, you know, driven community where all the steel mills employed most of the neighborhood or very, you know, shipped work, manufacturing jobs. And you did that. You did that to your retired and you got your secure pension, except in the 80s when they all started to shut down. And my friend's parents lost their jobs in their 50s and 60s and was like, oh, crap, what do I do now? Not only did I lose my job, I lost my pension. And specifically, as you know, historically, women are underpaid. They earn less over time. 
And so as I became a business owner and I started coaching women who are afraid of change, and again, that change can be career, it can be moving, it can be relationships. I really started developing this passion and this punk rock, I guess, approach to, you know, this like screaming from the rooftops, like take matters into your own hands. You have time. You can do this. You have skills. You survive a lot of life. You have transferable business skills. Take your financial matters into your own hands. Start that side business. So in five years, it's lucrative enough for you to leave that company. Or if that company leaves you first, you're not left like those friends, parents of mine who, what do they do at 55? right? They entered Vietnam War at 18. They never went to college. They don't have the kind of skills, right? So I think there it's so much about showing up for yourself so that you can show up for this world. Like I said that the other day, it's not just about you. Like what legacy are you leaving behind for everyone else behind you? So I get really passionate about this because one of the legs of my business that I'm starting up is this bold scholarship. And being a first-generation American, I know the struggles that it is to understand the whole college scene, and it's even more now. So I want to have a scholarship where it's paired up with a woman who's in her midlife years wanting to better herself educationally with her daughter, and then have a mentoring component. And so the scholarship would be for both mom and daughter, and then this mentoring. And it's because I want them both to learn from one another, but also I want that midlife woman to not feel like it's all just for her daughter. She can set that pro-aging sort of roadmap, you know, pave that path. So like I said, I could get fired up and talk about this forever, but yes, the whole punk rock analogy and the whole Gen X thing, it just totally resonates with me. We are fierce because we're tired of being told we can't in so many ways, right? Absolutely. And I mean, and there's a lot of that. And, you know, I I know I've said this before on this show, but I I look at marketing, I I pay attention to advertising. I I hate watching advertising, but there's this weird love-hate because I consider marketing what people either think I think about myself or think I should think about myself. You know, when I was in my early twenties, I was appalled by the light beer ads. Like I couldn't wait to get out of that demographic. So no one would lump me into that group. They were, they were horrible. Then if, if anyone can remember <laughs> beer ads from the mid to late eighties were yeah. horrific, they were terrible anyway. But I see that now as, you know, in, in our age where I don't know, there's, you know, yogurt and probiotic ads. There's like you mentioned the other, the, the cemetery plot ads. There's the, I, there's just, oh, the, the pharmaceutical ads can't get away from those, but right. there's just not much around. I can't, I guess what I'm rambling on about here is I can't relate to any of it. Yeah. It, yeah. None of it resonates for me on who everyone thinks I'm interested in or I'm being and, and, and no, I don't I- get that. I get that. And listen, I always say, you know, because there's this whole like, oh, you're so toxic positive. I'm like, no, I get it. I could tell you every day things hurt that never hurt before. I push through not in a way that, you know, is detrimental to my body, but I push through signing up for the classes ahead of time. So I'm accountable and show up like I make sure that I don't eat a whole bag of Cheetos like I did when I was 20, you know, although I do love Cheetos still. So, I mean, I get that, like, we have to take control of our health and planning for financial future and okay, maybe get in the cemetery plot. But like, there is just so much more to me than what marketers, you know, are assuming we're into. And That is why, you know, part of what I do is, yes, I have the coaching, I have the program that I run all my clients through, but creating a community of women who also are seeing other women do amazing things with their lives, who 
are actively fighting cancer, who are cancer survivors, who've been widowed when their kids were young, who have lost jobs, who just have had low self-worth their whole life for whatever reason, and now decide to take on a new career. That's empowering. Like that, like, you know, I mean, I just, I I literally get chills when I wake up like this morning, it was Saturday and a long week. And I'm like, why is my group blowing up with like notices this morning? And uh, yeah, it was just one woman after another talking about different things. And I was like, that's what it's all about. That's, that's exactly what it's all about. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, marketing's marketing, of course it is. It's, it's a missed opportunity on their part because I, I once heard someone say, you know, the fitness industry markets a lot to all these young girls. Uh, young men and boys, girls, whatever, with their boutique fitness and this and that. She goes, we're the ones that have the money for the expensive clothes and the expensive gym memberships. Like, how about pointing some of that advertising dollars to us? Because like, I think I forgot who it was, but the woman said, my 20 year old, 22 year old, she don't have that kind of money. I have that money. You should maybe throw a few dollars my way and maybe I'll buy your product or join your gym. So it, it is to me, it's a lost opportunity. But as you said, there is a movement growing on the internet, especially on Instagram. I see it. So hopefully Gen X is going to roar loudly and they'll, they'll finally pay attention to us, Brock. <laughs> We are definitely the forgotten generation. Oh, for sure. For right, sure. Right, I spent all my youth hearing about the me generation, which of course we now call the boomers. And then right about the time we got there, suddenly we're talking about millennials. And yeah. Oh, I know. Just wearing glosses right over us. I was like, Gen X is going to get us through this pandemic. You don't worry. You know, we're used to letting ourselves in the latchkey kids and taking care of ourselves or our parents, our boomer parents did that whole eighties great thing. And we were left to fend for ourselves in many ways. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting demographic. And like you said earlier, I have my youngest client right now is 39 and my wisest woman is 63. And I've also coached someone who's in her seventies. I think for her 70th birthday, she gave herself a coaching package to me. So the core years I believe are defined as like 45 to 65, but as you said, it can kind of swing either way. And uh, yeah, so it's, 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 it's uh, your voice, the voice of all the people that you, you know, uplift are definitely needed to, to make a difference. Well, before we wrap up, I'm curious. So you, and you've already partially answered this question, mm-hmm. but you know, we, we've talked about kind of dreaming and planning and, mm-hmm. and thinking, and I'm curious for you for midlife and bold, you know, you mentioned the scholarship, but you know, kind of what's, what's that five-year plan? Like what, what, yeah. what, are, what are you envisioning? So it's interesting you say that because that's one leg of it. Retreats is something that I am definitely looking into. I originally had planned a 2020 retreat, or at least started to, I should say, in Greece, because I speak the language and it's a beautiful country and who wouldn't want to retreat in Greece. But in terms of like my own interests, I have this very, this urge recently, I'd say the last couple of years to really understand winemaking more. And so I I have this vision of like studying to be a sommelier and working at like a tasting room just for fun, like part-time in Napa or Sonoma or some other wine country region, some wine region, and having that just be fun. Once I I interviewed actually for an education position in one of the tasting rooms up in Napa uh, a few years ago, and I really enjoy the stories of the land and the families. And like so many of those wineries have really been hit hard too, right? With just everything that happened. And so I don't know, there's something about me that still has a whole nother level of Lucia she needs to explore. And I, I am trying to make my residency dual between Chicago and and San Diego. And so I thought, well, maybe my plan will be to winter in Napa, and then I'll spend the rest of the time with my friends and family 
back home because you can't take the Midwest out of the girl, at least not this girl. But so that's part of like my personal aspirations, I guess. But yeah, you know, and that's the other thing. People are like, what do you mean you'd leave San Diego? I'm like, well, I can have, I can be a snowbird, you know, and it just, it's those types of things. What do you mean you can live in both places? I'm like, I mean that I could be a snowbird, right? And I can have this other part-time job and I can do these retreats and I can, I plan to expand and hire some coaches and assistants and things like that. So that's just off the top of my head, but I'm like you, the entrepreneurial brain. And I, I go to sleep really well at night. Like I sleep well at night. I don't have those menopausal issues because my brain is going 240 at all times with a new idea a minute. But right now on a personal side, I really do see myself meeting all kinds of interesting people and serving wine part-time in tasting room in Napa. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So where can people find you? Yeah. Thanks for asking. I'm on Instagram at Midlife and Bold. Facebook business page, same thing, Midlife and Bold. My website is midlifeandbold.com. My email is lucia at midlifeandbold.com. And I do run a large community. It's about 1,400 women. And that's called Midlife Women, Making Change Without Fear. And I do at least three weekly lives. Uh, Wednesday's my full feature where I do a lot of training. I offer free workshops and classes every week, or I'm sorry, every month, at least twice a month. So if you are able to connect with me on Instagram or through the community on Facebook, I'll also, if you like, Brock can share the link to my free guide, the three-step formula to break out of your midlife slump and take action. Then people can get to know me a little bit about uh, through that as well. I also have a podcast called This Midlife in Bold. So I'll have a few more episodes uh, this uh, season. And I think that's about all the ways. <laughs> all right. Well, that's a lot of them. They shouldn't have yeah, any trouble yeah, tracking right, it down. Right. Well, fantastic. This has been, Lucia, this has been awesome having you on. I love the, the mission and the approach of what you're going after. And I love that it's so much bigger than you and bigger than the people that you're serving. And I, I think it is um, such an untapped need. And so it's, it's great to see.